What a time in history to be the church of Jesus Christ in this world. There's a measure of it over the last year or so that has excited me. There's a measure of it that has brought me to places of repentance for the church not being the church it was meant to be, for the church not being the church that it's called to be. So as part of this series today, I'll just tell you ahead of time, we're headed into some difficult discussion today. Sorry, guys, it's on Father's Day, but I'm not sorry because you're a man, you can take this, right? We all can, and we need it. So just a heads up. So part of our Pursuit series, one of the things that we've done to make it uh, experiential is we've done a treasure hunt every week and uh, hidden a treasure in some of the different cities around the area, and many of you participated in that. There's been 20 plus each week that have gone out and did the work and found the treasure and uh, found the QR code and entered your name, and the drawing will be next Sunday morning. So to win the prize, you've got to be here in the service next Sunday. So for all those who have participated up to this point, be here next Sunday. We're giving away $100 in gift cards to uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, Cup of Alaska, and, and my favorite, the cookie place, you know, in, in Waxahachie, what's it called? Uh, Crumble Cookie, of course. Man, Crumble Cookie. If you haven't been there yet, download the app, and maybe not right now, but sometimes. You know, see what's coming up. So uh, many people participate in this and have done so. I'm looking forward to the drawing next week. Uh, I'm excited about that. I was talking to Justin Tabor, and he told me about his experience this past week. Is it okay if I tell this? I mean, it's kind of awkward now if I don't. But um, so the treasure, I'll go ahead and tell you. Ah, I won't. Some of you might want to go do it this afternoon. Uh, the treasure was hidden, and Justin found where it is, reached down to grab it, got the treasure box, pulled it out, and said, it's been raining here this week. It must have been rained in this area. Wait a minute. It's wet, but that's not rain. That's dog urine. So Justin had to really work for that one. So, man, I'm, I'm pulling for him on the drawing next week. I've sacrificed for so much. So that's awesome. Finding a treasure takes some work and some sacrifice. Amen. It's golden. Oh, nice, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, as believers and as the church, there are two things that are operating in us at the same time. And at times they may feel at odds with one another. But this is the calling that we have. Because on one side, through Jesus Christ, we have ultimate peace with God. It's settled. It's done. He said, it is finished. And when I put my faith in him, it is finished. I don't live now with uncertainty or insecurity about whether or not my destiny in heaven is secure. I don't live this next week wondering if I've sinned too much. I live with the confidence of knowing Jesus' blood was enough for my sin. I live with that peace. I'm settled in that and it settles my soul. But at the same time, every believer lives with this sense of passion, for others to know that same truth. One settles me, the other pushes me into action. So I go and I do and I serve with a passion. I'm not trying to earn my salvation, Jesus is my salvation. 
but I am passionate for others to know what he has given me. Amen? And that is what's in all of us as believers. This settled peace and this unsettled passion, this sense of urgency that I must I must communicate this to others. I must raise up my family in this truth. I must have this as part of my marriage. I must have this as part of what I do in my community to the people I know. I must tell others. There must be a sense of urgent action. But I'm afraid that in recent decades, the church willingly, unknowingly, has neutered the message and the power of the gospel for what it really is. There is a, an essential element that the church has left off, played down, played soft. And it, I believe, because we have done that, has caused a weakness amongst us, has left the church passionless, has left the church soft and has left the power of the church and the gospel less than what it should be in our world today. Our message today is called The Gospel Demands Urgent Action. Urgent action of fire. I base this on a verse that Brianna uh, mentioned earlier. And I'm going to reference that verse now, and then we're going to come back to it later in the message. It's from uh, one of Paul's writings, 2 Corinthians. And it says there in chapter 5 and verse 20, this, the Apostle Paul's writing, and he says, we implore you, not a word we use a whole lot today, implore. It's a word that means to beg. It's a word that means to urgently appeal to. It is insistent. It is almost demanding. It is powerfully motivating. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What made Paul this kind of passionate was what he understood as the full gospel and what you and I am afraid in this day and this time have neglected and therefore we lack this one quality, this sense of urgency, this sense of passion, this sense of imploring, this sense of something has to be done, this sense of I can't sit still, this sense of I've got to get to this, I've got to be involved in this. There's a sense of urgent action that is necessary. So if you've brought along a notepad today and you want to uh, draw some things out, you can draw these boxes and you can put this on your note page here urgent action. This is an essential quality for us as the church. And if you've ever been in a situation where you've had a medical emergency, you know what I'm talking about. It's one thing around the house, if you get a paper cut, you're like, eh, that's no big deal. And you just kind of brush it off and go on. It's another thing if a knife cuts you on the finger and you say, oh, I probably should get a Band-Aid for that. You get a Band-Aid and you put on maybe some medication of some kind. It's quite another if you have a serious cut. I won't go into describing any kind of gory cut that could happen. But let's just say it was serious enough that you said, I've got to do something about this. I can't take care of this myself. Or your spouse says, what are you doing? Curry, call 911. You know, that kind of thing. It's an urgent crisis where you recognize I 
cannot take care of this myself. This is bigger than me. And you jump into serious action that moment. You call 911 because you know you need to get someone to you before you can even get to the hospital. It's that kind of urgent. It's that kind of crisis moment. And when that happens, when it's that kind of urgent, you all of a sudden don't worry about things that are trivial anymore. You all of a sudden are not as fixed on, hey, we know the house is kind of a mess right now. Let me stop and clean this up before we go anywhere. Yeah. That doesn't matter in the moment. It's like, hey, we try to turn the TV off, catch that light in the bathroom. Hey, would you make sure the dog, in that moment, you don't care about any of that stuff. This is urgent. And you rearrange your priorities. You rearrange everything. Your, your tone changes, your words change, your activity changes because this is an urgent action. Something must be done. And this is what you and I ought to have welling up within us. When we hear the gospel in its fullness, when we hear it for the truth that it really is, it ought to stir something in us that says, look, I've got to change how I act, how I speak, how I behave, what my priorities are. If your version of the gospel causes you to say, wow, that's really just sweet and nice. Yeah, I'm going on to my life now. Then you have misheard or you have not heard the fullness of the gospel and what it really is, amen? So today, we're gonna to talk about four areas that should cause us to well up with an urgent sense of action. So we're gonna look at a couple of Bible passages today if you're following along. Second Corinthians is where we're gonna start today. Uh, not in chapter five, we're gonna start in chapter four and look at a few verses here. I want to point out some reasons why we must be moved to urgent action. And so our first big point will be this, that people are spiritually blind today. Now, let me talk about this for just a moment. What we are watching happen in our world today is not just because people have lost their ever-loving minds. It's not just because, they have, by the way. It's not just because they have gone through some emo emotional trauma in their life. They have. It's not just because they need to be educated and trained in better ways. They do. It's not because they just need some better laws passed. Those are all true, but I'm going to tell you, below every one of those is a greater truth. People are spiritually blind before they lose their mind, become emotionally um, entangled in trauma, have behavior that cannot be controlled. At the root of all of that is a spiritual issue. What we are watching happen in our world today is the exact results of what you get when you take God and say, you're no longer at the top. You're no longer even on the page. You're no longer on the board anymore. You're not our creator. We evolved ourselves into our being today. You are not the lawgiver. We are a law in and of ourselves. We determine what's right. You are not the judge anymore of what's right and what's wrong and what is true. We'll be our own judge of what is right and what is true. And we'll choose equity over truth. We are watching all that happen today. This is the result of when you take God 
out of the picture. When you say no thank you, then you get what we are getting today, a culture that has lost its mental capacity to even reason rightly anymore. A culture that is emotionally distraught because they have no true framework to even make decisions based on truth. They don't even know where to couch their emotions because their emotions have become God to them. We're watching a culture today that has in their behavior chosen what they feel and their urges and appetites to be God. And when you do that, you get what you get today. You get people rejecting the God-given design they have as male and female. You get people rejecting the God-given design for marriage. You get people thinking and believing that they are what they feel. And if they feel they are a furry or a cat, they'll they'll be a cat. There are even people today not just transgender people. There is now another group of people who are trans disabled. Look it up, it's real. There are people who identify as disabled, though they are not, but they want to be treated that way because that is how they identify. And the expectation upon everyone else is that we respect their new identity that they have chosen. And every person is a God unto themselves. That results in some mental issues, some emotional issues, some behavioral issues, but I'm gonna tell you first and foremost, that is a spiritual issue. When you remove God out of the picture, when you say your word, I discount it. Your, your truth, fixed truth that you determine, that you say, I reject that. Your person, your lordship, I reject that. We are watching a culture implode because they are spiritually blind. Now, the apostle Paul knew this. God knows this, the Spirit of God knew this, and so he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, verses three through four, this idea. Verse three says, but even if our gospel is veiled, in other words, if it is, um, if it is like people can't see it because they have on blinders, as though they've had a veil put over their eyes, If it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, that are dying. Verse four says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. The minute you take God and remove him from the conversation and his place in a life, then the enemy comes in and blinds the heart and eyes and minds of those people who have believed that. They do not believe. And when you choose to reject the reality of Jesus Christ, you enter into mental, emotional, and behavioral blindness. And no amount of seeing a worldly counselor, no amount of 
medicine, no amount of therapy will fix that unless Jesus is at the foundation of it. And so the issue today is a spiritual one. It's a spiritual blindness. Paul goes on in this verse and he says, lest or unless the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The enemy has blinded them. They can't see. They don't see like you and I see. They don't see truth and weigh against it and say, hmm, I wonder, I, I probably should adjust my life to who Jesus says I am and who he is. They don't think that way. They've removed him off of the discussion and so they're making choices completely on that. And it's kind of hard to think that way. That's why you look at what's going on in the world today and you think, what is happening? And you say things like, I'll say this, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make logical sense. They're not operating at the same logical platform that you and I are. We operate with a fixed truth from a God who is just and a God who is good. And we operate off of that system, that belief system. They do not. Scratch that whole concept. They are a God to themselves. So whatever this God they say me feels, this God will do. And because I'm God, I expect everybody to bow down to me and what I say is right and good. Paul says, there's a blindness there. He goes on and he says this. Eh, that's all I put. Eh, there was more I wanted to show you, but I'll, we'll do that next time. Let me say this though. This idea of people being spiritually blind, you know what the answer to this is? The gospel. The only way people can get unhooked from their behavioral issues, mental issues and emotional issues is the light of the gospel, as Paul said in that verse. Let's go back to that verse. Lest the light of the gospel should shine on them. That's the only thing that sets people free. When you have a framework though, however, that puts you as God, you get what you get today. But who, who in the world holds the gospel out for others, the church. It is our responsibility. It is us who have been given this call and this charge. And you say, well, aren't there other good people out there and ministries out there that can do the same thing? Maybe, but when I read scripture, there's one that is given that call and that charge and it is the church of Jesus Christ. This is one of those things I think in recent decades has happened and call it a pendulum swing, call it whatever you want, a, a, a response to uh, things that have happened in the church in the past, whatever you want to call it, call it that. But the need is for us to come back to center because we've said things like, well, the church isn't here. The church is who we are out there. The church is not a building. The church is who we are, which is true. But I think what we have neglected is the church is the church when the church is gathered. When I go out there, I may do some of the things that the church is called to do, but if I am alone, I am not the church. I'm a believer. I'm a member of the body of the church, right? But the body 
is the body when the body is gathered. And there's power in us gathering. It was detrimental to go through a season when the body could not gather. It was essential for the body to gather. So we hold the power to make a difference here in our world today, but that means we've got to accept this responsibility that there is a blindness that happens in people and is happening in people today. They are spiritually blind and the answer is the gospel. They need to know that they, let me get to point two, because this is essential and this may be even the greater corrective. The reason there must be urgent action is the day of God's wrath is coming. This is one of those uncomfortable truths that has not been talked about a whole lot in the church. This is one of those that the church in recent years and decades has gone soft on because if you talk about wrath and judgment and hell, people might not come to your church. People might be put off by such teaching. And so what's happened is a wave of teaching has swept through the church in recent decades that's pretty soft, really. It's, hey, God loves you. Uh, mm, you're so special. Uh, God accepts you just where you are. Just come in and, and we'll love you and we'll accept you and 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 there's a way to heaven, but, and we're all gonna get there one day. You know, we'll all, it'll just, let's just hug it out. That's been the gospel version in recent decades. And what has been neglected is a teaching that affirms and confirms that there is a day of wrath coming. The Bible is clear on this. The Bible explains this. The whole concept of salvation and saved is based on this. I recognize I am saved from my sin. I recognize I am saved out of the world. But saved is not just a title. Saved is not just a religious thing. Saved has meaning to it. Salvation has a point to it. You were saved from something. And that something is the wrath of God against sin. The Bible says things like 1 Thessalonians 1.10 about Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The Bible says things like Romans 5.9 Having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That means there is still yet to come a day, a time of great judgment and wrath. The Bible says things like John 3:18, two verses later than John 3:16 where Jesus said, "He who believes in him is not condemned." But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
There is a day of wrath to come. God does not just look at sin and say, mm, I just feel so sorry for those people. Eh, it'll be all right. God is not soft on sin. God does not just look away when there's blatant sin. God is a holy God. And there is a wrath that is poured out because of sin, because sin destroys man and sin is an affront to a holy God. And there is no way man can know and enjoy God when there is sin. It's an uncomfortable truth. And this is one of those spots that for me, as a pastor, I've had to really come to grips with that the church hasn't done an adequate job, I don't believe, in recent decades of proclaiming this essential part of the gospel. You can't just tell people, God loves you, you're special, come to him, come on, let's all get together. That doesn't sound any different than the agenda of the world today. Come on, let's all come together. You're loved and accepted for as you are. Look here. If God could accept you as you are, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. God does not accept you as you are. He welcomes you as you are, but he is bent on transforming who you are and changing who you are to free you from who you are so that you might know the reality of who he is. Amen? Amen. There is grace, there is mercy, there is a welcoming for who you are, but you were not meant to stay who you are. There's a judgment coming. There's a judgment that's already falling. People ask the question, is America gonna face judgment? We're already facing the judgment. It's happening right now. There's a judgment upon our nation for justifying and legalizing the murder of babies. There's a judgment on our land today for legalizing and justifying gross sexual immorality. There is judgment on our land today for legalizing and justifying corruption in government. There is judgment in our land today for legalizing and justifying education that is godless. There is judgment on our land today for legalizing and justifying corruption in the business industry. There is judgment on our land today for legalizing and justifying excessive alcohol and drug consumption. The judgment is already falling. The judgment comes in the form of rising crime, rising mental and emotional health issues, a rising number of suicides, unexplained weather phenomena, unexplained and seemingly untreatable health issues, unexplained agricultural problems happening in our world today. These are not freaks, these are not random, these are all intentional and part of God's design upon a nation that rejects him and says, no thank you God. Judgment is already falling. But I would say this, you think this is bad? There's another day coming that would make this seem like a walk in the park. 
because God is not soft on sin. Let's look at what Romans chapter two, verse five through nine says. The Apostle Paul again is writing to a different group this time and he's, he's talking about what happens upon a land and a people who have rejected him. And he says, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, your heart that refuses to repent and change and acknowledge truth. He says, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He says, you, you understand what I'm talking about, saving up money. You understand interest rates. He says, those who reject the ways of God, you are storing up some things as well. There's an interest rate accruing as well. And you're not gonna like the payoff for this one because this is the righteous revelation of the judgment of God. And he will not play social equity. He will not look at you and say, oh, brownie points for participation. He's not gonna give you a trophy just because you were part of the deal. He's not gonna look at your situation and say, oh, well, you had it harder than anybody else. I'll be less difficult with you or less just or less truthful. No, God's truth stands. It's immovable, it's unchangeable, and it is one and all will be judged by his righteousness. Paul goes on and he says, he will render to each one according to his deeds. You pay for what you did. You don't pay based on your socioeconomic situation, the nation you grew up in, or your race. He goes on and he describes it. He says, there's eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. If you put your faith in Jesus and you're trusting in him alone, there's peace. You don't have to fear a day of judgment coming. There's a day which you'll stand before God, but Jesus will not be handing out judgment upon his church. Jesus will be handing out reward upon his church, blessing upon his church. But he says to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be indignation and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, for there is no partiality with God. He is holy, he is just, and there'll be a day of reckoning for those who trust in Jesus. There is nothing to fear. There's only the reward of knowing we'll be with him. But for those who do not, for those who've pushed away and rejected and denied the reality of God in their life, there's coming a time of judgment. The Bible says it's appointed to men to die once and then the judgment. There's coming a day, a day of having to face the reality of righteousness and truth. And this is what should drive us as the church to some action. 
if you don't believe this is going to happen, it would make you less urgent. Oh, the cut's not that bad. I mean, it's just, give me a Band-Aid, it'll be fine. Everybody's gonna work out in the end, so yeah, okay, I mean, we're all, there's lots of ways to God, some would say. No, there's one way through Jesus Christ. It's an uncomfortable truth. It's an uncomfortable awkwardness with, with, what's, with what's happening in our culture today. There is a day of wrath coming, and for those who do not know the Lord, they will face his indignation. They will face the fiery wrath of a holy and just God. And for that reason, we should be moved to urgent action. It's for that reason that the Apostle Paul would say, I implore you, I beg you, I am praying for you. I am desperate for you to believe. But there's a third reason that Paul described in the passage we've looked at and the one that Brianna read earlier. A third reason that we should be moved to urgent action. God is pleading through us. It's quite a humbling thing to know that God has chosen us, you, me, to be the voice of truth in the culture, but to also carry his spirit of truth within us. To have within us a sense of passion and urgency. Paul will say in this passage, it's as though God were pleading through us. And that he would choose us, flesh and blood, sinners, redeemed, and now be the spirit and the passion of the heart of God himself. Look at this passage from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Paul starts and says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new or have become new. Verse 18, he says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Sometimes people ask, well, I just don't know what my ministry is. I don't know what, what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what I'm called to do. Here's, here's foundational. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Whatever you do with your talents, gifts, skills, personality, influences, relationships, possessions, whatever you do with those, your role and your calling is to help bring people to be reconciled to God through Jesus. That's every person's ministry. We got to see it on full display this past week here at VBS. 70 volunteers working with 100 children to help them know Jesus is king. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the designer. And Jesus is the redeemer. It was on display. Those were the messages this past week. 
and people gave of their talents, whether they were working in games, whether they were teaching, whether they were just serving food. They were all using their talents and gifts to help these children know that there is a way to be right with God. This is our ministry. And Paul says he's, that God has given us this ministry and he describes what it is. He goes on in verse 19 and he says, here it is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, for those who come to Jesus, here is what you get. You get the removal of debt against you. You get the removal of sin held against you. Whatever you did in the past, do in the present, or will do in the future, in Jesus Christ, that is cleansed from your record and you are brought to God and cleared. That is good news. Because I don't wanna have the day of wrath to come against me with my debit card filled of my soul, amen? Because wrath is coming. But to know I can be free from that, that is life. What you're watching today is people living under the condemnation, the rejection of a holy God. People having mental issues because they've rejected a holy God. People having emotional issues because they've rejected what makes a soul valuable. You know what makes a soul valuable? Being redeemed. Not just saying, you're loved, you're special. That's nice, but that's, that's not the same as I am dead in my sin, I am corrupt, I have no possibility of knowing God and he holds his, my sin against me. There's a day of wrath coming. Knowing that, knowing Jesus redeemed me, rescued me from that, knowing he loves me that much, that gives the soul worth. And people act in all kind of crazy today because they don't recognize that their soul has worth. And you can't know that your soul has worth until you've understood that there's a day of wrath coming and that Jesus has rescued you from that wrath. It's the uncomfortable truth that we must be clear with today. That it's possible to help people know their sins are not held against them. And God has chosen you and me to be the ones that he pleads through. That he is imploring through. It's through us. The passage goes on, he says, and he has committed to us this word of reconciliation. This is our message. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So as I said earlier, there's a part of this that's brought some reflection and repentance on my own part. God, what have, we, what have we done as the church? 
and not fully giving the message of the gospel. And I thought, God, forgive us for not wanting to tell the whole story. God, forgive us for wanting to make it somehow palatable to people. God, forgive us for somehow playing it soft because we didn't want to offend anybody. God, forgive us because we, we thought being nice and having church growth was more important than speaking the truth and having kingdom growth. And life change. So, uh, it's been my, my personal transformation and my commitment to you is we always speak the truth here at Vertical, but this will become a part of the essential truth. Hell is real. Judgment is real. There is a day of wrath coming. There is a savior who came to free you from that day of wrath. Be reconciled to God. Make things right because he has on your behalf. I bring it to our, our last point today. We must be urgent because there is a true gospel. Sorry, my red pen's fading. There's a true gospel. In the same passage, 2 Corinthians 5, he goes on in verse 20 and he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as we're God pleading through us. Second part of that, he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then in verse 21, he says this, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's a false gospel today that says God accepts you as you are. It's a soft gospel that doesn't call out sin. It's a soft gospel that is more focused on accommodating than being accountable. It's a soft gospel that won't tell about a wrath to come. It's a soft gospel that won't tell about the reality of hell. It's a soft gospel that won't teach about the necessity of repentance. That kind of gospel makes people passionless, lifeless, and more concerned with just being religious and doing church than actually being the church in our day. So this has been my challenge. And I'm driven by this verse. Jesus, the sinless son of God, came to earth, humbled himself, yielded all of his rights to be respected, admired, obeyed, and worshiped so that he would become 
a servant to us. And then on the cross would take our sin. In that moment, in the darkness of the cross, the Bible says that God bruised his son, poured out his wrath on him. He was judged as though he were all of us in all of our sin. He suffered, not just with nails and a crown and the humiliation of the cross, but the absolute darkness of God placing sin upon him and Jesus sensing the weight of all of that. Of thinking his father had turned away. Of thinking there was no escape. Of thinking that the voices of the enemy and the evil one barking out at him were all true. Jesus bore it in that moment. And that reality should ignite you and I to a different level of passion. Because for any person who does not come to follow Jesus as Lord, that same judgment awaits them. There's escape for all who will come to Jesus. He took it so you would not have to. But there is a world today who will face that wrath and that judgment. And they don't need to hear someone else say to them, I celebrate you for who you are. They hear that already. What they need to hear is there is a holy God and we have violated his ways. This is sin and there is a day of wrath coming. Repent, come to him lest you face that day of wrath. You can be saved. This is our message as the church. Amen? May this transform us as the people of God. Maybe it will ignite within us a greater passion for gathering, a greater passion for giving, a greater passion for serving, a greater passion for raising your family up, a greater passion for those you know and love to share the gospel with them that they might be saved. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today uh, I have an unusual mix within me of the complete peace I have with you because of Jesus because of the gospel, because of the forgiveness of my sin, because I know my eternity is fixed and secure and I'll spend eternity with you enjoying your inheritance and your riches and peace. But at the same time, I've, I'm caught with this burden, this sense of urgency that we hold in our hands I hold in my hands the responsibility and the power to 
to help lives be changed. God, I know you can change without us. You can change hearts of people. You can change a nation without us doing anything in it because you are God, you can do what you please. But you have chosen in your sovereignty and in your grace to call us, your bride, your church, your body, to be the ones who will speak. And so with that, we will implore others. We will live righteously. We will raise up our families in truth and we will be the church unashamed of the reality of the gospel, the full gospel that says there's a judgment coming. Be saved from that day. Turn to the Lord Jesus and trust him. Now, before we finish today, I'd want to say this. I can't leave here today without giving us the option. If you're here today and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ as the one who saves you, I have to ask you. I have to implore you today. Be saved from what is to come. Don't continue on thinking he accepts me. It's all going to be okay. No, there is a day of wrath coming. There's a savior who's come to take it so you would not have to. Is there anyone here today that would say, I'm crying out to God to save me today. I've not done so and I'm crying out to him today. God, save me. Save me, Jesus, from my sin. I trust you with my life. Is there anyone, would you just raise your hand if that's you here today? Anybody? I have to ask. I have to implore you. I have to beg you. Don't let this moment pass. We don't know what happens next in our day and our time. Anybody? Father, in this spirit of urgency, we will now live our lives. The days are short. The gospel is true. A day of wrath is coming, but a day of hope awaits those in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.